Today is the 20th of November, um, and it's, in fact, Christmas is here. Um, uh, my little son Owen has his reindeer socks on today, um, so it's a little point to Christmas. And the festive season is upon us. It's a season of good cheer. Um, it's a season of joy. Um, it's always contentious. Um, and I've spoken about this before here, to decide when is the start of Christmas? When does it actually begin? Is it the 1st of December? Is it when Halloween is over? Is it when Ikea starts selling their Christmas trees? Is it um, when the Christmas seals are on or when Black Friday finishes? When is it? Maybe it's when, as Chris Martin sings, it's only Christmas when the snow falls. Um, it's different for all of us. We all get into the seasonal uh, spirit at different times and in different ways. Um, I personally never listened to any Christmas music before the 1st of December, but we're all different. Um, I feel for those who work in retail, particularly at this time of year. I remember working in retail and having a wham and uh, Mariah Carey in my ears as I went to bed at night um, with the Christmas playlists going all day on loop. Um, I know some people that are buying their Christmas gifts in September or even earlier than that uh, these days. Hands up if you think September... Hands up, let me help me with this. Hands up if you think Christmas should never be mentioned before the 1st of December. Give us a hands up. Okay. <laughs> that looks like a majority, quite quick. <laughs> hands up if you think it's fair game after Halloween. I've got a few. Yeah. Anyone earlier than Halloween? Anybody brave enough to. S- My mum loves Christmas. I think she might vote for like an earlier than Halloween. Um, uh, hands up who's got their Christmas tree up. Anyone? A few people? <laughs> um, I actually wonder whether our American friends have it right um, when they punctuate the end of a season with Thanksgiving, and that kind of marks the end of a season and the beginning of kind of Christmas season. Perhaps that's, perhaps they've got it right. Um, growing up for me, Christmas began when my sisters and I, um, I just always remember this. I guess you could call it some kind of tradition or practice. We used to go to my granny and grandas. They live way up the Crumlin Road. And when we drove home late at night from theirs at this time of year, we would count the Christmas trees lit up in the windows on the way home. It was kind of probably something to help us get to sleep by the time we got home to New Nards. Um, that was a tradition. One of my traditions now, maybe it's yours, and I did this last weekend, and I hadn't done it for a couple of years. It was go to the Christmas market um, and eat a... a German hot dog and have some Dutch pancakes. Maybe that's a tradition that you do now um, that marks the start of uh, the Christmas season. But Christians have always marked this time of year differently, always. Um, and there's a calendar that we follow. We've spoken about this before, Redeemer, and I had, um, I, I had written something around this, and then I saw this lovely quote by Brian Zahn that I thought actually summed it up well. So I'm going to read that out. That sums up this way that Christians mark time differently. He said this, ours is a secular age and the sacred is pushed to the periphery. To keep the sacred at the center of our lives is a heroic act of defiance. We need something rigorous, something deeply rooted, something that draws upon the deep wells of ancient wisdom and practice. And we find that in the great tradition of the Christian faith. Within the great tradition, we have a sacred calendar, a way of marking time through the course of the year by telling the story of Jesus Christ. We have a secular calendar that coordinates our lives within the secular age. And we have a sacred calendar, the church calendar, to form our lives through the gospel story. 
Of course, Christmas is now firmly entrenched in the secular calendar as well. But the way the sacred church calendar and the secular calendar approach Christmas are very different. The demand of the secular Christmas season is to be in a rush, in a great hurry, while the aim of Advent is to instill a quiet slowness in our soul. Advent is four weeks of longing for the coming of Messiah. Advent is about waiting, a practice most of us in the age we live struggle with, yet patience is a holy virtue to cultivate. And so today is the first Sunday in Advent. We embrace the slowness, we lean into the waiting, and this is good for our souls. I I love that quote. I think it sums up really well how we mark time differently. The secular age marks time with calendar events like Black Friday or Cyber Monday or the January seals. But as Christians, we have the season of Advent and the season of Christmas tide and the season of Epiphany and so on. Christmas, of course, is that we conflate those two things sometimes. We think it's Christmas now, but Christmas does not begin until the 25th of December. We're now in Advent, the season of Advent, as the church calendar marks it. Christmas is the celebration of God's action into the world through Christ, God with us, Emmanuel. But Advent, the season that begins today, is a season of preparation, of waiting and anticipation, the slowing down of our souls in anticipation of Christ the King comes from the word adventus, which means coming or arrival. So it's a preparation time before Christmas. And over the next four weeks as a community, we want to do that. We want to help in small ways here on Sundays to help prepare our hearts as we enter into this season of waiting, anticipation, meaningfully. Um, We're calling this series Honest Advent, and we're drawing on a book called Honest Advent, and I recommend the book by an artist called Scott Erickson. Beautiful prayers, beautiful meditations, beautiful illustrations. And the series on that book, the question that it asks, and which we want to ask, is this. Is Christ, is Christ's incarnation still happening in our midst today? You know, for many of us, perhaps Christmas has lost it's wonder. Perhaps it's a bittersweet season of complicated family rituals or the brand of Christmas with consumerism is so strong. Or maybe it's an ancient story that we feel has no relevance to the, to the day that we live in today. Well, Advent is designed to help illuminate the hope-filled truth that God not only comes in Jesus, not only has came in Jesus Christ at this time of year, but continues to come. This is what the book actually says in in describing it. The hope-filled truth that the God who showed up in the hardest parts of our humanity is still showing up today in those same places. The wonder of God with us in this season. We often forget that the encounter with the incarnate Christ happens today in the most unlikely places, just like it happened in a pregnancy announcement at a time of political unrest and imperial bloodshed, or the morning sickness of a Middle Eastern teenager, or the shocking biology of a home birth that goes far beyond the sanitized Christmas that we know it.
So we'll use this microphone. It's not what we expected. So next week, Dan is going to bring a reflection on love. Stephanie, the following week, is going to bring a reflection on vulnerability. And then on the 19th, as part of this series, our carols by candlelight. We'll look at Be Not Afraid. Today, I want to talk about identity. And I want to read just very quickly from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the word and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him but he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world i just want to bring a short reflection upon the theme of identity um, this morning and um, we're going to have some discussion uh, following it in August, Beth and I welcomed our first son into the world. He's here with his rainbow socks on. Owen, Harry, he's at the back, and he's doing really great. And being a parent has really illuminated to us just such a privilege, um, such a humble thing to, to see this little life come into the world, a particular incarnation in and of itself. And Owen he is our first um, but we've spoken to parents that have multiple children. I know from seeing my nieces and nephews, and it's true that every kid is different. There's a role that every parent has to form the parts of their children, um, the bits that they know about them and the bits that they don't know. Intentionally, every parent forms child manners, responsibilities, social ethics, even good taste in music, so that they grow up to navigate the world well. And parenting also involves paying attention to how they have come uniquely into the world to help them become who they were designed to be. People come into the world already made sure we have body parts, eyes, ears, and noses, enabling sights and sounds and smells and all different sensory experiences, but there is a deeper and unseen part of us too. We use the word soul or spirit to describe that untouchable part. It's this essence of each of us that's hard to put a finger on. Although you can see it when you look deep into someone's eyes. Recently, Owen has gone through a de developmental leap and he's become quite alert and aware of his surroundings. And one thing he's begun to do is make eye contact with Beth and I. And it's an amazing experience. You begin to see and he begins to see you. There is a hidden part of every child that must be paid attention to in parenting. And the same is with ourselves. There's a hidden part of each of us, our identity, our soul, that we should pay attention to, especially in this season of Advent. Richard Rohr says this, the physical world is a gateway to the spiritual world. It's sacramental theology in a sentence. That the spiritual world is much bigger than this physical one, but through this physical one, we can access the spiritual the tradition that he comes from believes that it's through our senses and our experiences 
that God can be known, God can be seen, that we can experience the hiddenness of God. There's no mountaintop we can go to to find God sitting there waiting for us. There's no mountaintop we can take our friends to to introduce them to God. There's no visible evidence of God in the way, in that kind of way. And when you look through the scriptures as well, our faith is not necessarily based on physical evidence. There's a story in the Gospels when Jesus is teaching his disciples that speaks of this. He's describing these two realities, the seen and the unseen, and how that one day they will become one. He's teaching his disciples, and he says this. He says that some people gave him food when he was hungry and drink when he was thirsty and a few other interactions as well. And the people say they never saw Jesus hungry or thirsty. And he replies to them, when you give food to the least of these, you were giving it to me. Kind of mysterious, kind of a mystery, that little quip from Jesus. But what Jesus is pointing to is that the action of love and caring for others is like a portal. It's a portal to this larger reality that we're engaging with God, that we're engaging with the divine as we care for and look in the eyes of others as we look to them, as we serve them. This is what Jesus is speaking about here, that we can connect with God through the physical world that we live in, through one another. And it's a hidden reality of God in the everyday, right in front of our eyes. There's this hiddenness to reality. It's the same with us. There's a hidden part of us, our souls, that God sees, God knows. So here's the truth today and on this simple reflection, that we, that you are deeper than you find yourself today. You're deeper than the place you find yourself today, the moment that you're in today, the emotions that you're experiencing today. And that Jesus sees that identity and he illuminates it with his light. John writes in that passage that we shared at the start that the word Christ gave light and life to everything and to everyone. And that this word's life, Jesus, he brought life to everyone. Another way to say that he is the giver of life and he joins his life with our lives. Or put simply, the function of light is to help us see more clearly. And Jesus' life and his light helps us see ourselves more clearly, helps us see the hidden part of ourself, the true identity that we have more clearly. He illuminates that, he brings it to the fore, and he helps us see it in one another too. His light is truth, and it illuminates the hidden parts of us. He sees us for who we really are. There are many ways that this happens, but in in fact, Jesus being human, the reality that Jesus was human and walked among us, that affirms our humanity, that we are supposed to be the way we're supposed to be today, that we're in this life, that we're in this world, that we've been born into it exactly how we were supposed to be, to be here. The fact that Jesus walked among us as a human affirms our humanity. He affirms that in some mysterious way, we're an amalgamation of things that we can see and things that we can't. There's a hiddenness, there's a seen and an unseen. That we have come from somewhere and we're going to somewhere, just like he did. That this physical world is a doorway to much greater, deeper realities. And that God is present to us, not in that place, but he is here right alongside us, Christ with us, Emmanuel. 
Our invitation in Advent starts here. It starts now. And we thank God that it starts here and it starts now, right here where we are in life, in the mess of it, in the joy of it, in the reality of it. He is here and he is with us. It hasn't been that long since we've all lost a normal way of life. These past few years particularly, we're kind of recovering from all that we have lost. But Scott Erickson in his book, he draws out this beautiful truth that the hope of Advent is a reminder that everything can be taken away from us except that hidden part of us, that soul, that essence, that part that God sees that can never be taken away from us. In fact, God's light through Christ shines on that, honors that, sees that, nurtures that. Whether we lose our house, our livelihood, our friends, our church community, our job, Whatever it might be, there is an untakeable, precious part of us that can never be taken. Our soul, our essence, our identity that is rooted and anchored in Christ. The deeper self that was woven into this world but is anchored into a larger world. There's a gift. There's a gift that my life helps me access the greater reality. Jesus' light shows us the way to live, engaging God in the everyday. The unseen part of us, our soul, can never be taken, anchored in our identity in Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, our identity rooted in God and Jesus' light that illuminates our path. This is a hopeful reflection as we begin Advent. And so my prayer is that we would rest in the peace that we are who we are, that God affirms us in our humanity, that he sees the true part of us, that nothing can take that part of us away, that in fact Christ's light shines on that part and that in the reality of life, God is with us, walking through us and guiding our path. And if we have eyes to see, we can encounter him along the way. A prayer, may you rest in the peace that the darkness can never extinguish the light that has been given to you. That's the end of this first reflection on identity.